Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Welcome to The Athletic MBA Show. Monday through Friday. On The Athletic Podcast Network. And welcome back to another edition of Hoops Adjacent on the Athletic NBA Show. David here in D.C. We've got Waz in L.A. What's up, sir? I'm here, man, chilling. Cannot complain. You know, um, the NBA finals are, are finally interesting. Yes. Uh, and, you know, ready to go here. Yeah, we're, we are taping this on Tuesday, the day of game uh, four. So the Lakers have a 2-1 lead. We saw Jimmy Buckets have a game for the ages. And to talk about that, talk about all things in the association, our friend, Michael Lee. Michael, what's up, man? Hey, what's going on? Enjoying this uh, nice fall weather. I'm glad yes. it's, it's, it's jacket hoodie weather now, so I'm feeling in my zone. Yes, exactly. I feel very good about uh, my sweatshirt uh, ensemble for this year, so I'm, I'm good to go. <laughs> I like to like a little chill in the fall air. Hey, um, before we start with the finals, two things. Number one, I'm getting all these bots jumping on my Twitter. Why is that? Why do we think that is? I'm getting all these Scott five seven eight three two ones, and you know what I'm getting, guys? I'm getting a lot of fake black people bots. Have you been getting these <laughs> on Twitter? Like all the you can tell, and you can tell because they're so lame with how they try to show the Ghana born. You know what I mean? Like, like, really? Okay, and you have two followers. You know what I mean? Like so, are you are you guys getting that? Are you getting all these political not. bots I'm, all of a sudden? I, I, I have not. not, but maybe my my Twitter's not militant enough. Really. <laughs> I, I need to step up my militancy to, to get some bot love. What do you, what do you think you'd have to say? What would you have to say to like really piss off people to get the, to get the bots on you? I don't even know. Probably talk about reparations or something. <laughs> I, like, I don't even. I don't, in, in I don't even know exist, what gets them going. Man, exist? Be, just be a, a black man. Yeah, on, it's on, just on Twitter. It's just been crazy. Like I just it's so obvious in the last 3 weeks. Like all of a sudden all these people are following me that have never followed me before, but yet my overall numbers on Twitter don't go up any. You know what I'm saying? So clearly 
This is like this is like a bot invasion of of not real people. Let's bring DA into the conversation here. Welcome to Who Comma is Jason on the Athletic Podcast Network. Turned it on and I heard Shaq with the barbs. It's like the most in his braggadocio. I was transported right back into it. I was like, oh, this is great. <laughs> I think I rap better than Shaq. David Aldridge. Oh, he's totally playing. Him. Yes. <laughs> And then he got their lungs out in front of everybody on TV. Michael was not your friend. What's happening now? Rodney Lambert. So the Chicago and Detroit stuff, that was real. That was real. I mean, God forbid we don't have scholarship money so we can't pay for the charters for the water polo <laughs> in Iowa. Hoops and Jason. Welcome to Hoops and Jason. We have ignition. Also, on the NBA tip, um... What do we think, Mike? You were in Philly a lot. What do you think about Doc going to the Sixers? Yeah, I, I'm not as excited as um, it would be if you just put it on paper that Doc Rivers is going to Philadelphia. Um, yeah, one because you know I, I was hoping that after things sort of collapsed in, in, in Clipperland that that Doc would take some time off and uh, yeah. that he would really try to evaluate the field and figure out what the next best job is for his next move. Um. Philly just is just a real tough situation to step into. It sure is. It, it's, it's, it, it, on paper, it looks like a great job because, you know, you got a 50-win team. You got two foundational stars and Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. And it's like, okay, that's a great starting point. Any organization will want that. But once you start peeling that onion a bit and start looking at what's going on, it's not sweet. You know, it's not a situation where you're going to step right. in and just have a team that's ready to compete and contend. Um, you got a lot of confusion. You got a lot of guys who don't understand their roles, who aren't willing to accept their roles, and there is no established hierarchy. Um, and Doc's going to have to come in and basically establish that right away. And that's not going to be easy because the last however many years, you know, guys have been able to build up bad habits and sort of make assumptions about what they're entitled to, and they've yeah. never been held accountable. Sure. And so, you know, there's a reason why they went out in the first round this year. And it's not just because Ben Simmons was hurt. Um, they had chemistry issues. Um, I mean, it was just it's, it's, he's stepping from one mess into another. And so I would be excited about it and say this is a great fit and he's going to go in there and, and turn it around. But I just feel like there's a lot that that he's going to have to clean up. And considering that he left a pretty big mess behind, um, it's, it's going to be a lot of work to just go in and just say we're going to be a successful championship team right away. Mike, you you just laid out a lot there. Um, <laughs> and I want to get into because I want to get into that. Uh, the first thing I want to ask you, because I could tell this is something that you were intimating, who is in charge over there? Right. Um, there was a <laughs> sense and we and we got reports, you know, a few months back, a few weeks back that uh, maybe Elton Brand wasn't actually empowered and emboldened to make the moves that he wanted to do. Maybe the ownership situation is a little bit more chaotic than, you know, has been presented because, you know, we know the chaotic ownerships, right? The Knicks, yeah. the Sacramento Kings, Tillman Fertitta, you know, um, but you don't really hear about Philly as being part of that dysfunctional group. What's going on with management over there? Yeah, I mean, you ask somebody uh, one day, one week, you get a different answer. And I think that's that's a major problem. Um, you know, Yeah, that's not good. That's not good. And I, I think that's, that's been their main issue. Structurally, they haven't really established it. It all goes back to, you know, when they removed Sam Hinkie and brought in Colangelo. And then he had the whole um, burner account situation. 
And from that point on, it was just everybody kind of burner account situation. I love it. <laughs> it was just it was just so it, was a, it became a power play. Then everybody was positioning themselves to become the next man in charge, and everyone promoted themselves as being the one running the show. And there wasn't a lot of cohesion in terms of you know the direction that they wanted to go. And so Elton has been the face, but everybody else behind the scenes has sort of been sort of making it seem like, well, I'm the one that makes the call. And when you right. have that, that kind of level of dysfunction, people, there's a lot of confusion. It, it, it just doesn't lead to a stable environment. And I think that, you know, this ownership, <clears throat> you know, they, they haven't really, really proven that they understand the game and just the, all the, yeah. all the elements and layers of the game. They're, they've been really <laughs> eager to just stay, uh, chase names, chase stars, try to do anything to just raise the relevancy of the franchise. And they kind of got impatient because they took such drastic measures with the process and they put the fans through a real miserable period. And like, they have to get a payback for that. Right. You can't just have the fans just right. go through just punting seasons, 10 win seasons, 17 win seasons, and then say, we're doing this because we're building a championship championship team and not give them one. Cause and I think that's what they've been trying to do uh, ever since Ben and Joel proved to be special talents. Then you just hit the fast forward button and expect to get there already. And it is really a process, right? I mean, for yeah, the most part, yeah. I mean, unless you just have LeBron and AD and you just go ahead and, and get right there in one year or something. But for right. the most part, it takes a lot, especially when you're dealing with young guys, especially when you're dealing with young guys who don't really know the league, but have been handed everything have been told that they're the franchise, have been told that they're the guys that are going forward and have not yeah. been challenged, have not been told to go out of their comfort zone and be something that they're not or something that but could elevate the team. And I think when you look at that, the level of um, accountability just not being held. Joel Embiid, I think talent-wise, is one of the probably five most special guys in the league. Just from a physical standpoint, just his skill set, um, but he doesn't have anybody really pushing him to be greater. And that's something that Doc's going to have to do. Ben Simmons, really gifted, a, a, a tremendously gifted player. Guys can guard. He can guard all five positions out there on the floor. And when he's playing at a high level and when that energy level is there, there aren't many players in the league that can match him because he's just so, you know, such a physical force. But he doesn't always bring it and he doesn't always – seem to have the mindset of like, this is, I'm going to make winning plays as opposed to I'm going to make sure my box score looks nice at the end of the day. And so when you have those elements, you have these things in place, you have a lot of fixing to do. And you just hope that they haven't developed so many bad habits along the course of the way that, um, <laughs> that they, that they can't be fixed. I, I would say the one thing that, that I do like about the hire, and I agree with you. I think it's, it's, first of all, I, I don't know why doc, felt the need to jump right back in. Um, yeah, he took like two days off. Yeah, he could have literally been done anything. And I I, wrote, I said this, he could actually have run for the Senate, you know, from wherever state he's from. If he want, you know, like he literally has that kind of profile right now. If you, if you don't sit down and think about, you know, all the options that you actually have, whether it's TV or, or politics or, or just taking a year off, you know, and just kind of clearing your head. Um, I think he should have done that. But then again, I thought Andy Reid should have done that when he went right from Philly to Kansas City. We know how that turned out, right? So it's, it's didn't work out pretty well. <laughs> yeah, I could I could be wrong on that, you know. So 
Um, but at the same time, DA, you know what yeah. that is. It's the it's the same reason Pat Riley goes out and gives Hassan Whiteside 120 million. Like, I'll show you, LeBron. <laughs> right, right. Watch. Yeah. Oh, you think you want to leave me? Watch what we do without you. It's it's that type of thing. Tyler like, Johnson. Right, watch what Tyler I do Tyler Johnson, Philly. 75 million. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the it's 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 the same. It's sort of the two sides of the same coin. It's like watch what I do in Philly with all this talent and all of this. It wasn't me that messed this up. It was right. Paul George. And, right. You know, I think it's the yeah. sort. Yeah, these guys gasping for air in game seven. They had no, right. no yeah. right, it's, right. it's this sort of, right. I got to prove these guys wrong about putting, laying the blame at my feet, you know? And, and I think that's what's driving this. And some might, you could call it ego. You could call it competitive nature. You can call it whatever you want, but it seems like he has something to prove. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, he, and also, you know, and Doc does, I think Doc is good with stars, with big, you know, big performing ego type people. So, um, he did well with Garnett in, in Boston, I think. He, he did better with Pierce. Um, so I, I think he's, you know, it, the results in L.A. were mixed, obviously, but they certainly were a contending team just about, I think, if I yeah, remember my, every my, year my, he was My there. concern, though, is in, in, in just considering, like, when you talk about what he did in Boston um, and what he did, didn't do, wasn't able to do it in L.A., it's so, such drastically different situations. Because when he when he got when he had the Boston gig and he had KG and Ray and, and Paul, those guys were in their thirties. They had they had to do whatever it took to win a championship, or their careers were going to be just nothing. Like they didn't they didn't have any time. Like they had to get it done. And you saw that they got it done quickly that first year. They got it, and that was it. That was the right. that was the run. You know, what I mean, they made, went back to the finals and everything. They didn't win another championship. And so when you got guys who are open to, to coaching and, and really want it at that moment, and they don't. They don't. There's nothing that's gonna hold them back. You you're in a perfect situation as a coach. When you go yeah. with young guys who are still trying to establish themselves, still trying to make a name for themselves, that's when it gets a little tough. And I think well, that's, it does, yeah, yeah, it does. I agree with you, but I I just think you know I think Embiid and Simmons are at the point like they're not rookies anymore. Now they're not you know ten year vets like you said, but but I do think they're at the point now where. They gotten a little, you know, they gotten a little flack now. People are looking at this oh, team sure. and going, "Well, look, you could fire Brett Brown, but Brett Brown is not the reason why this team's underachieving." You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. so you know, I think they're getting a little ack ack right now, and people are looking at them kind of sideways, like, "Well, what are y'all? You know, what, what's what's up with you two? Like, why can't y'all make this team better? You got two all stars, a first team all, you know, all defensive player, a second team all NBA player." And y'all go out in the first round, you know, that, yeah. that's not just coaching. You know what I mean? So I think they might be, I could be wrong. I think that they might be a little bit more receptive to somebody that's got the the, the gravitas that Doc has coming into gig. But I could be wrong. Well, I think you know? a couple things they're going to have to do, though, is they're going to have to find a way to, to, to revamp the, the team in some ways in terms of the chemistry. Um, yeah. There's just there's just a lot of residual resentment. Um, I think that a lot of the players didn't necessarily like the fact that, you know, Joel's the go-to guy and Brett made it very clear that he's the foundation, but he didn't always bring it in practice and he wasn't always going to practice and he didn't always, yeah. you know, set the tone um, in that, in that environment when nobody's watching, you know? And I think that yeah. for some yeah. teammates that frustrated them because they felt like, well, if he's not showing up in practice every day, why are we, why is he entitled to the ball? Like I, I'm still good here. Like, let me, let me do my thing. And, then, you know, so it's got to start from him. He's got to be willing to be committed to that end. And he's got to have a coach that's going to push it and demand that of him. 
And that's really going to be Doc's challenge, you know, to try to make sure he gets the most out of these guys. I think the one encouraging thing is that he has some history with Tobias Harris. He Tobias basically got his hundred eighty million dollar contract because of what right. he did with the Clippers, not anything right, he did with right, the Sixers. Right, right. and Correct. so yeah. Doc's gonna have to be able to you know come up with pick and roll situations so that he's not just floating out there, sometimes lost, not knowing what when he should go and when he should defer. Um, and they got to do something about Al Horford. Um, he clearly was not a fit, and he yeah. clearly doesn't doesn't like he has a place there. So I don't know who they can where they can move him. But they gotta figure out like can we can we get Chris Paul? Can we can we get somebody in here who can sort of answer some of our problems and and provide that leadership, you know, sort of light a fire under everybody so it's not just on the coaches to do it. because um, I think it's gonna be important for guys like Ben and Joel to, to hear it from a player and to hear it from a player who has nothing to lose and can come in and, and really kind of help Doc, you know, you know, push the system along. Um but there, there's a lot of elements in Philly that that I'm like, ah, I was hoping that they would get, you know, a coach in there who, you know, maybe come in with a fresh rep and could come in and just sort of just be demanding and, and sort of just say, OK, this is how it's going to be. Now, Doc might have to come in there and do that. But I just feel like the, the, the way the things ended in Clipperland this year, I mean, even with all the stuff with COVID, I mean, it was a tough situation. I mean. Yeah. Uh, a lot of his players did not want to be in the bubble. Like they just right. did not want to be there <laughs> and they were yeah, looking forward to having an opportunity to just get out of there. And it you, showed in yeah, game seven. <laughs> it showed in game seven, it, but it showed throughout the whole run. I mean, you had the three guys holders from last year. I mean, they all had personal, you know, uh, tragedies and things that they had to deal with and they left the bubble and came back. That disrupts your chemistry. Uh, but those guys just didn't necessarily want to be competing and playing basketball at this time of the year. And so yeah. when you put that in, in the mix, it was going to be a mess, but there was a lot deeper stuff going on there too that, that he wasn't able to fix. Yeah, I think with Kawhi and the Clippers situation, there definitely was a certain level of deference obviously showed to the guy. Like being around the team on a you know sort of semi-day-to-day basis, you could tell that – Kawhi was getting preferential special treatment from the team because one, it's like, we're the Clippers. Nobody of this caliber has ever chosen us this explicitly, right? Um, When you talk about Kawhi's credentials as a champion, finals MVP, MVP candidate, you know, um, he's clearly demonstrated that he is an elite player and he's, you know, he's at the top of his position. Um, I don't know that anybody on the Sixers deserves that level of deference. <laughs> they, they, I, I don't like nobody on the Sixers. I can remember ever carried somebody <laughs> right. to the finals or mm-hmm. won finals MVPs and, you know, got it done at the highest levels of the sport. I, I, I don't see anybody on that team. So I have, you know, less of a concern when it comes to that. My concern is I don't like the roster construction. Mm-hmm. I don't like yeah. the fit of the roster. Your two best guys, to, to my mind, cannot be optimized in the same lineups. Maybe I'll be proven wrong, right? Maybe they'll do stuff like well, normal teams do by surrounding their young guys with shooters. <laughs> and maybe that'll actually work. But I don't right. know. Like, the way this roster is constructed, I don't think this team can optimize the talent that's there, Mike. No, not, not the way it's constructed now. But I, I was intrigued by what Brett Brown was going to do in the bubble and playing Ben Simmons at the four. And yeah. I've, I've sort of been in that camp from the beginning. Like the only way this Simmons and B thing is going to work is if Simmons plays the four. And one of the main reasons why is because 
you cannot be handling the ball at the top of the key if you're never going to shoot. You are wasting the top of the key. You are mm-hmm. not doing what you're supposed to do up there. I mean, yeah, you can survey the court. You can see what's going on and find shooters in the corners and drive and do what you need to do. But if you're not ever going to be willing to take a shot, then you are yeah. really limiting what the offense can do. And it's mm-hmm. not even just what you do in terms of, you know, creating a defense, you know, how they, how they have to respect your shot. You just open up the floor for everybody else because right. now guys aren't just camped out in certain spots where you can just say, okay, well, I'm not even going to worry about him because I know Ben's not going to shoot it. Like, whatever. We, we can just load up on Joel. We can load up on Tobias. We can load up on all these other guys and just see what Ben's going to do. And he's not going to – but if Ben's at the four and he's in that dunker, that dunker spot, Dunker spot. You're not really yeah. standing. You're not standing in Joel's Joel's way. You're able to get offensive rebounds. You're able to survey the court, and you can kind of be like kind of a bam out of Bayou, where you're working, you know, in that that free, that foul line area, and you can start yeah. feeding guys in that that area. But if you're going to be facing the basket and and try to operate from there and never attempt to shoot at it from you know from beyond two feet, then you're not helping the team. And so that's what they're going to have to do. I think if they can play him at the four and then play Tobias at the three, and then you just get two shooters. You can still play Ben in sort of a point power forward position where he's still making plays, but it's not just going to be the traditional way where he's just at the top of the key kind of running the show. You're going to need to have a point guard out there or somebody, a distributor at the top of the key who can move the ball but also be willing to shoot. Because right now Ben's not helping them if he's never going to take a shot. And it's not about shooting threes. It's not about shooting threes. I don't really care about him shooting threes. We see Jimmy Butler get a 40-point yeah, triple-double without he doesn't shooting have, threes. You don't have to shoot threes. But you have to shoot something. You're 6'9". <laughs> yeah, you I mean, just give me a jump hook in the lane. That's fine. I mean, yeah, just get, like, you got to yeah, give me something I, you can you can score on 65 70% of the time. And I will say this, for, in, in Ben's, in Ben's uh, defense, I know he always feels like he wants to make the right play all the time. Like, And sometimes mm-hmm. he feels like the right play is him not shooting. You know, because he doesn't feel like it's going to be a high percentage shot. But if he can get that look for somebody else in the corner or if he can get a look for Tobias, that's more of a better shot than him taking a jumper. And so he wants to make the right play all the time, but he's got to be able to take more risks. He's got to be more, a little more fearless and, and not be afraid to fail. Like, I want to see him go out there and just sort of just say, you know what, I don't care about how this looks. I don't care if I look cool right now. I don't care if people mock me and make fun of me because my jumper is not falling. But you just got to take it. And then the team will live with it. I guarantee you, if Ben I got out there and just was fearlessly attacking and just like said, I don't care if my shot bricks, if I shoot a couple of air balls, at least I know I'm doing the right thing for my team. They'll rally behind that. And he'll get, yeah. and that confidence will come. But if you don't do it at all and you just stand at the top of the key and just move the ball around trying to just collect assists, now you're hurting everybody. That's See, that's where I think where Dan Tony might have been a better fit for Ben because he gives players his players that kind of offensive freedom. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know that he would have been a better coach. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah, you know, you're right. You know what I mean? So that's where I, I could see them kind of going, eh, I'm not sure that's the – because to your point, like they both need – him and MB need somebody to challenge him, right, to really get for it. For sure. That's, that's just not Mike's thing. And that's okay. Mike wins a lot of games playing the way Mike plays, and that's okay. Um, you know, so it, it's fine, but just – he ain't gonna get put no foot in nobody's ass, is what I'm saying. That's just not his and they, style. They need so. they need somebody who who's gonna be able to just you know you know get 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 the shine on on, on their boots and just start yeah you know yeah. kicking. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, but you know, but Mike, I, I I would love to know what their options are as far as you know changing the roster because the flexibility 
is kind of minimal, right? Like once they, once Markel Fultz basically turned into a lemon in in Philadelphia anyway, and they ended up just giving him away. Their two young guys are on big deals. Obviously, we know Al's contract and Tobias's contract. So, you know, just yeah. cap wise, they're capped out. Uh, and they don't seem to have many trade chips. So what can they do to get, you know, where are they going to find a playmaker at? A, a point guard? Like, they've never even had a point guard. And no disrespect to TJ McConnell, man. But like, <laughs> I'm talking about, like, a real point guard. You know, somebody that can initiate offense for you. What are they? What, what are their options here? Yeah, it's, it's tough. It's limited. I mean, like I said, uh, I think Al's contract is probably the one that's, that's most manageable because it's, it's not like guaranteed beyond this year. So they might be able to find somebody like a team that's close that feels like they can just say, okay, well, we'll go ahead and, get, and go for Al right now. Well, and yeah, he can push us over. But I'm saying he's the only guy I think they yeah. can they can potentially move because Tobias. And when he signed that big a deal, he's he's theirs, especially in this right. in this. Well, new I mean, climate. that's how you get, but that's how you get CP three, right? I mean, you, you say, well, we'll take on CP three at forty seven million a year yeah. going on, you know. But you have to take Horford and or Tobias, you know, in some combination, right? To, yeah, and, I think and, that's the only way they can make it work. But uh, you know, the, I mean, I think Horford's the one key that they have to find a way to move him, like somehow, yeah. um, for his sake too. You know, because yeah. I always feel, I always felt bad for Al last year because you know he was with he's with the Celtics and the whole situation with Kyrie and it's just like a, just a mess and it's like man, I, I, this team is like chemistry issues. I gotta get out of here. I gotta go yeah, somewhere where right. I can win. And then he goes to Philly and it's like oh snap, I'm <laughs> it's back worse. in the same mess. <laughs> yeah, it's worse. I know. And it's worse. Yeah, we let yeah, that yeah, out of the first fresh round. Fresh out the frying pan into the fire. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, so he, I, he just probably the, just needs a, a fresh a fresh you know place where there's just like. Okay, maybe I won't win a championship, but I can just have fun playing basketball again because this yeah. isn't it. I'm not sure what the problem is. Where where is that? Forget the money for a second. Like Al is a was he 34 now? Somewhere 30, around 40? there, yeah, 33, 34, yeah. You know, like could he help teams? Sure, but now you have to bring the money back in. I you just can't help him at yeah. 30 million. You know what I mean? It's like, the it's the it's the contract that makes him tough because like. You know, you look at a team like the Clippers, the Lakers, so many teams could use a, an Al Horford on their team. Um, but at that number, it's just, it's hard for that to make sense. It, it's just, it's tough, man. It is. Um, but, you know, I, I think there'll be a lot of trades this summer, uh, this all season. I think there'll be a lot of movement. Um, you know, teams want to get out of contracts. Um, teams want to go for it. You know, and the thing, the thing about the Western Conference now, <laughs> When you see if the Lakers go ahead and pull this thing off, you're gonna need size. You need somebody right. who you can right. throw out well, and, and Anthony Davis or in uh and you know, if they if they bring back Dwight and all those guys, Lakers are gonna be big, you know, and that's and you're gonna need somebody right. you can put up against them. So then maybe they can find a taker, you know. Houston. Houston needs a size. Oh my for gosh, sure. definitely they do, man. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you know what I think teams will be aggressive because he'd actually be a good fit in Houston, I think. I think he'd be he perfect be. there. Because he he, 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 might, he likes shooting. Uh he can yeah. set great screens for, you know, the, the two guys that got Right. Uh, Pick and pop with Harden and with Westbrook. Yeah, that's good. And I think teams should be aggressive because I don't think any team should be watching this finals and thinking either one of those squads are juggernauts. No. Right? right. Like you right. should right. feel like Hey man, I'm right there. 
I, I'm sure. right there. I can get to a finals with the right mix of guys and, and, you know, tweaking the roster in the right, the right ways. Uh, I, I don't know that any of those two teams that we're watching, and I like watching both teams, obviously, you yeah. know, and will engender any fear in the hearts of future no, opponents, you know, nobody should be, a, I mean, look, Not the way they're currently the Lakers, constructed, but you figure right. the Lakers are going to be able to find somebody else to some more shooters and, and guys they will, to play. But I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be like, I, we can't beat the Lakers. No, I wouldn't be, I, I wouldn't think that if I'm, if I'm the Clippers or Denver or, you know, I wouldn't be afraid to play the Lakers, you know, um, I need more, I might need more talent or might need to tweak how I play against them, but they certainly have enough to compete against them. I think I, I would think so too, but you know, you just got to make sure you counter their size with something yeah. Um, no, let's let's get Al Horford traded to Houston. I like this idea. <laughs> that that works. That makes a, too much sense not to do. But since you brought up the finals, let's get into that a little bit. Um, and the whole uh, notion of what's going on here. And I I, I want to hear you know when both of y'all to jump in on on the notion of you know I still think the Lakers are going to win this thing, but where do we put Jimmy Bucket's performance in the in the pantheon of great great finals? I think it's one of the you know. Maybe top ten of, of all time in terms of one game in the finals. Yeah, when I, when I saw it, I mean that was my immediate reaction. Like, this one of the best performances I've ever seen. And just yeah. considering the circumstances, the fact that they were missing two players, two of their best players, and they were up against a team that was up two zero and looked like they were going to sweep them. I mean, it, it, and he was just defiant. I mean, the beauty of this is that everything that you know that you said is like made Jimmy a, a terrible, you know, teammate in the past, right? <laughs> right. All the stuff that, that, you know, being defiant, being <laughs> kind of confrontational, <laughs> you know, all the things that, you know, that's exactly what you needed in game three. You needed somebody mm-hmm. who was just like, I'm, I'm a, I'm a rage against the system, the, uh, you know, the establishment, you know, I'm pushing back against all that. And that's exactly what he did. Like he just pushed back against all that, all the qualities that were once considered negative were the positives in that. Um, mm-hmm. So it, it was up there. I mean, I, I I just sort of looked at just underdog situations, and I look. I put it up there with Iverson's forty eight, you know, in Game One against the Lakers, where you know it was a big statement game for him and for the Sixers. Came out of nowhere, they stepped over. It's still the most memorable image of that series, <gasps> even though they lost the next four T-M? games. No one even T-M-Z. cares about how to let the Lakers <laughs> won in five. You just remember Iris's step over. You don't remember Shaq just destroying the Kimbe, really. Well, well I do. I, I do too. <laughs> he did turn him to a toothpick like 15 times, but, uh, um, but, but still the, the memorable images is still Iverson. And then I was, I was thinking about Dwayne Wade in, in 2006. In 06. Um, yeah, yeah, cause the, when yeah. Dallas won those first two games, went up 2-0, I thought, everybody thought this was going to be a romp. Like this is going to be yeah. a sweep. And then Wade, Scored, I think, 15 points in the fourth quarter of game three. Had finished with 43. He was playing with five fouls. It was like the moment for Dwayne Wade. It was like the, the star turn. Like he, Shaq immediately became the sidekick. It was Dwayne yeah. Wade's team. It was his show. And he was that first guy from the 03 draft to really emerge. It's like, this is this is going to be a special class, folks. This is it right here. Like, this dude is here. We got LeBron, Melo. But this is dude already first first one to get that championship. And he did it on that stage and just proved he was a star. He scored 43 that night and then, you know, averaged, I think, like 39 or something the rest of the series. Right. And, like, so that was that was big. That was, like, an out-of-nowhere moment. And then you look at the 2015 series um, with LeBron going up against the Warriors without Love and without Kyrie. 
and just the fact that he was sort of a one man fan and like efficiency be damned. I'm just going to try to get my numbers. <laughs> and, you know, I'm playing with Della Vadova and <laughs> Tim of a Mozgov. And Tristan Thompson. I'm like, I'm going to win with these dudes. Like I, y'all might have the Slash Brothers, but I'm, I'm winning with whatever I got. And uh, they went up 2-1 and he had that, uh, 40 points, I think 12 rebounds, eight assists or something crazy. And yeah. he just was, and he was determined. I think that was when uh, people realized that, you know, you know, one Golden State wasn't necessarily, you could tell they weren't really ready to be champions until like it happened. Um, mm. And he was the only guy in there that was doing it, but just underdog performances, I'd put it right up there with any of them. Yeah. You know, yeah. you know what it reminded me of, um, but this, and this performance came in a loss but it reminded me of Russell Westbrook, uh, game four in 2012 in the finals. Where oh, they're down 2-1. Yes. Where yeah. they're down 2-1. And they're playing for their season, essentially. Yeah. People don't remember. Right. They remember game five and Mike Miller losing his shoe and all of the threes raining down on OKC's head. But the previous four games were extremely competitive. Yes. And in game four, Westbrook just, they could not keep him out. Um, out of the paint. And yeah. we're talking about the most athletic team in the NBA at that time. Mm-hmm. And they couldn't do anything with Russ. And I'll just yeah. never forget that. He dropped 44. He put, put his heart into that performance. It came in a loss. But you could tell it was a guy playing for his season as Jimmy was, right? Like, the right. Heat go down 3-0. It's over. Yeah. It's over. The series is over. The season is over. And and that performance was just amazing, man. And so, so I want to give a shout out to Russ for 2012 because you know <laughs> God knows he hasn't had much playoff success since. No, but, um, no. <laughs> it's, to it's so funny. I remember that series and Harden had been so good in the playoffs that year. San Antonio, and he cooked. Yeah, he, he, was just, he was just single, almost single handedly brought him back right against San Antonio. Like he was sensational. He was. And he was yep. so he was so bad in the finals. And I remember going, "Ah, this is." He'll never be this bad again in the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> but wasn't wasn't that, wasn't that the trap though? Wasn't wasn't he dating Trina yeah. at the time? It was like from yeah, Miami. Yeah, and, you right. know, she was right. she was doing right, she was right. taking one for the team there. She was helping right. the Heat win that championship there, <laughs> taking out Harden's legs the whole series. Right. Well, I mean, it was it's just it, but it is um, it's been I think it's been. Uh, I don't know. I would say this is a great finals. I just don't. I don't think anything in the bubble can be viewed as great. No, it's not but, great. But it's it's been competitive, reasonably competitive. Um, so with the Lakers, I think again we're taping this on Tuesday afternoon um, before Game Three, so we don't or Game Four. We don't know what happened in Game Four yet. Um, but assuming the Lakers go on and win this thing, what would that make LeBron four and seven? Is that six. would that be correct? Four and six, four and six in the finals. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's. You're starting to get to the point where the preponderance of the evidence outweighs <laughs> the quality of it, if you know what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> there's just so many finals that you have to kind of put them in the in the in the conversation now. You know, even to an old head like me. But does the fourth one do? Will a fourth one do anything for either of you in terms of re reevaluating LeBron in terms of the all time greatness? Me personally, no. Um, I, to me, it's LeBron, Kareem, and Mike in their mm-hmm. own category. And yeah. then there's everybody else. Right. And you can squabble. Cause like, I, you know, some people might make an art and people don't do it because of the nature of just Kareem's career and 
whatever. They don't ever make the argument for Kareem over Mike, but he's right there in accomplishments and championships. And like this, the, the, the it's he got right six there. Two, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> the guy is literally Change right there. Basketball. You know, right, like it's, right, it's crazy. Right. He doesn't. It's just he doesn't have that profile, so he doesn't get it. But for me, LeBron is right there with Mike and Kareem. Yeah. Just the sustained excellence, the championships, the MVPs, the just elevating teammates. His your team literally just by virtue of you being on it matters. Yeah, like yeah. your team is competitive. And as far as the finals record is concerned, like there's ways to denigrate the, you know, the six losses or whatever. But I mean, to me, the bubble just proves the point of it. It's like, you know, the, the Clippers were preordained to get there. Right. And right. they didn't. But like, right. That just should just show you something. Like it's not easy to keep getting there over and over and over again. Um, now, I still, you know, even after winning this, I still think Mike had the the highest highs in NBA history. And so, therefore, to me, he's the, you know, he's the greatest player. But I, I, I don't know. To me, like, those those three guys are in a league of their own. And if anybody wanted to make the argument for LeBron, I would not personally look them like, oh, you're a psychopath. I'd be like, yeah, no, yeah, I, yeah. I, right. I can That's see the I'm arguments, saying. you know? Ten, he's made 10 finals in 11 <laughs> years. <It's> crazy. <laughs> Come on, respect must be paid. You know what I mean? Like that's just an insane number. It's just uh, you have to. And, and give again, and Da in in those um, especially after 07, Of course, you can count 07. They sh- that was you know pretty much a fluke. The Cavs yeah. probably shouldn't have beaten Detroit. Whatever you know. Still Dallas, the worst, the worst starting lineup of, in the history of the, of oh, the NBA. Oh, I mean, come disgusting. on. That was ridiculous. He was terrible against <laughs> Dallas. But you yeah. can't, like, you basically can't point to a playoff series after 2011 where this dude didn't deliver for his team. So, right, right. you know, the, it's, it's all there. Yeah. Um, it, it doesn't change anything for me. Um, you know, it's almost like uh, if you have, like, you, know, you got pasta sauce cooking. Yeah. Um, you know, you already got, you already know what the sauce is, right? But you want to just add that one little extra season in there. It might not, you might not, <laughs> it might not taste any different. A four yeah. championship is just adding a little extra garlic in there. Right. It's just <laughs> right, already, right. you already know what you're getting. Like you already know that the sauce is good. Um, yeah. so you just add another ingredient that doesn't really change the flavor. You already, you've, cause you've already seen it. You already seen how the whole sauce came together. And so yeah. this is what's happening with LeBron. Like he could win eight championships. 10 championships I don't think it'll necessarily change how I feel because I know what I've seen and I know that there's something to be said about efficiency too in terms of how yeah. quickly you get you get, you do what you need to do um yeah. Yeah. and and so uh I don't really like the argument um because I feel like it's, it's unfair and I feel like over the years we've sort of really not been able to appreciate LeBron the way we should because everything is brought up as a comparison to Mike, which I don't think is a fair comparison for anybody to have to live up right. to. And now he's brought a lot of that onto himself. You know, he said, I'm the greatest after I beat the, the the Warriors and everything. And, you know, so he's asked for a lot of this, but I don't necessarily think I need to give it to him either <laughs> because yeah. it's not, because I, I don't think it's fair. And I also don't think that it's allowed people to really, um, you know, acknowledge just how good he is and how great he is because he's automatically brought up against, oh, well, what about Mike? And what about Mike? Well, just LeBron himself is already phenomenal within just his yeah. career speaks for itself just by itself. But when you always have to compare, they say what well, comparison is the what? Sincerest form of flattery. No, no, no. Uh, uh, it's the, that's imitation. The opposite of joy or something or like something no, like that. Yeah, comparison yeah. is the opposite of joy. <laughs> I yeah, love that. <laughs> yeah, because what you're doing is like you're just ruining everything 
when you should just be appreciating it. Um, yeah. and I, and I, and I just feel like, um, we haven't really taken the time. We can talk about, we can have a, we can have a LeBron conversation without talking about Michael Jordan. We don't have to bring his name up. We can talk about right. all of the great things. Like you mentioned, nine finals in 10 years. Um, the fact that he's been a, a model of resilience because he keeps coming back, you know, he stays relevant all every year. You think you got him, you got, you count him out. He comes right back. You know, mm-hmm. either he builds a team that can get him right back in contention or he winds up being right there in that conversation for MVP, you know, in year 17, which is like insane, something that you shouldn't be doing. So his career is pretty marvelous within itself. And we can just appreciate everything. The fact that he's going to be probably the retire as the all-time leading scorer, but scoring mm-hmm. not be the best thing that he does on the court. You know, he's still right, a better right, passer right. than he is a scorer. Um, the, there's never been a player that's versatile you know, who can do so much and impact the game in the ways that he can. Um, so I think we can appreciate him and marvel at what he does without saying, well, Mike did this. Well, so what? Mike did that. That's right. We, right. Can, we can let, we can put Mike stuff on the shelf and just admire that for what it is. But right now it's LeBron's time. So let's just admire LeBron for what he's doing right now. And the fact that he's about to win another championship. And I think that that, that, that could change the perception because honestly, for me, a lot of, it's taking a lot of the joy out of a, in, in this run that LeBron's on because every game is like a referendum, referendum on his legacy. And it shouldn't really well, be like that. Right. No, go ahead. Go ahead. And, the, and the bigger comp, to, I mean, to me, it's like, you know, LeBron is so much more like magic than he is. For sure. Michael. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's the comp. If you're going to make a comp, make an accurate one. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> yes. Like, that's the more much more accurate comp to me is my is Magic. And you know, you Magic know, is like, my God. Like, I love Magic. I mean, he won five championships, yeah. and he went to nine finals in his first uh, 12 years in the that's league. What I'm, that's he the went, comp. He that's went what five I'm saying. Four, <laughs> right. And, like, right. He, he did it from the jump. You know, he, he got there at 20 yeah. years old, and he's jumping center and dropping, you know, 45. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, 42, right. 15, and 7, you know, in the, in the uh, game six and you know with Kareem out and so he's doing everything that, that you know legends are supposed to do from the beginning and but again I think that the one thing that we'll always marvel about LeBron is the fact that you know he did have some extreme lows you know um, you mentioned Dallas you mentioned the sweep against the Spurs um, but he's had highs that are on the level with anybody who's ever played the game yeah. and in some, some instances it's been higher and so I think if we just sort of just you know, try to just not stop trying to say, well, what the, well, this guy did this, this guy did that. And just really just look at exa- examine LeBron for what he is and who he is. We really appreciate him a lot more. And it wouldn't just be this thing where you people root against him because they don't want him to threaten Michael Jordan in some way. Or people will root for him because they'll win some argument or feel like they'll win some argument or debate that he's on their level with Michael Jordan. It's just like, who cares? Why is Michael Jordan a part of this conversation? LeBron within himself is enough. Yeah, I, and and the finals talk is is just hilarious to me. There's this notion out there that it's better to lose in the conference finals than it is to lose in the finals. Like you know, like like Kawhi and them won't have a finals loss on their record, so they <laughs> somehow had a better season. Somebody explain that to Doc Rivers then. Um, but you know, I, I, I think what's interesting is that the only finals that LeBron's team ever lost as a favorite was Dallas, and if they lose this one, would have been this one, right? It's not, like, when people reel off all of the losses, and people will say, oh, you got excuses, you're doing this, it's like, no, but this this is basketball, this is reality, like, a lot of times when the team has the better team, they win. I mean, you mentioned mentioned the OKC series, right? 
and like that 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 Westbrook had that you know big game uh, for right. OKC had home court advantage in that series. But the Heat was yeah. the dominant team. You can't wait thinking all oh, that. The Heat they never got back home. Yeah, you're like OKC is not ready for this, right? But they were they were the team that that was the favorite going in. Yep. Right. Right. So right. I mean, he, every every championship that he's won, um, except for, I mean, in, even with uh, with the uh, with the Spurs, I mean, <laughs> they won that one as the favorite. But it was it, yeah. a shaky favorite, and they still needed a lot to go their well, way. Those were evenly matched teams. And remember that at the time, like. The comp, again, the comp wasn't Michael. The comp was KD. It was like, well, LeBron, who's better, LeBron or KD? LeBron or KD? LeBron or KD? You know, and it went on for years, right? I mm-hmm. mean, that was the, that was what was argued about. And the fact that he has transcended Kevin Durant as a, as a, as a fair comp. Just as, um, a, as even as a conversation. That's started. what I'm saying. You don't even have that conversation anymore, right? And Kevin, like nobody and Kevin seriously got argues price. Kevin. And, yeah. Kev, right, and Kevin's got two chips. And it's not, but nobody even has that conversation, no. right? He's not even, a, it's not even an argument anymore that anybody plausibly makes that KD's better than LeBron, right? Hey, so, DA, I got, I got a question for you because you've been covering this league, you know, for a while and, when did people care concern themselves with goats? Like it feels oh, like it's I a don't know. recent phenomenon. Like I don't. It is well. It's you know. I think the first time I heard goat was in reference to Ali, of course, right? Mm-hmm. So I mean, and somebody had done that big coffee. Remember that big coffee table book that somebody made for like four hundred dollars? You had to pay for it or something. But it was all about Ali, and it was, and I think it was called the goat. You know, okay. and it was like, what does goat mean? Greatest of all time, right? So, um, and so. Yeah, I think that's where it started. But yeah, this but as it relates this, to basketball, like I, a, I think yeah. I think that when Michael was playing, at least for me, my perspective, I just remember watching Michael rooting against him because I didn't really want him to win all the time. Um, yeah, but just, just acknowledging his greatness, and, and but it never was like, man, is this the best player I've ever seen before? I never really yeah. tried to wrap my head around that because I was just like watching him and admiring him for what he was. Yeah, um, and I feel like. That we allow we allow magic to play basketball and just be great, and we just admired him mm-hmm. and said, "Man, this magic is awesome. I love like he, he's having so much fun out there on the floor. I've never seen anybody play with this much joy. Like he made me love basketball. So, but I've watched him, but I never said, "Man, this magic might be the greatest ever." Like I didn't mm-hmm. I didn't care. And then when Michael right. came right after that, I was watching him and saying, "Man, this guy is really dominating. Like no one can beat him. Like this isn't fun. I don't like it anymore. No one's no one can beat him." But I never said, "Man, is this the greatest I've ever seen before?" I didn't really. I didn't really care to make a comparison. I just right. sat there and watched these guys play. Same with Kareem or anybody else. I never even got, it never became anything that was something that you discussed. I and I, it, obviously yeah. social media and, and talking head shows yeah. changes the conversation a bit, but it just feels like what we've done is in some ways we've allowed ourselves to diminish what LeBron's contributions to the games are because we've constantly put them up against a guy who most people have already decided is the best they've ever seen. Right, but he did it. He's the one that told Lee Jenkins, "I'm chasing a ghost." Right? Yeah. <laughs> he put it out there in the into the universe. Right? True. So, true. Yeah, but um, I, I think with this chicken and this egg, I think that the chicken came first. Okay. <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> I think people were comparing him to Mike, and he had an understanding that that was the standard. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know that it was like, all right, I'm you know from day one. And, and, you know, it's different for, for somebody like Kobe, who was literally, like, changed his, like, vocal cadence to talk like Mike. Like, he was like, no, 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 I'm, that's what I'm doing, right? right. Um, and I, he chased I'm impersonating that. He Michael Jordan. Got, <laughs> yes. yes. And I think that got put on LeBron. And he was like, well, I guess, like, it's not like 
that's going to change because you know I remember I remember the chosen one Sports Illustrated joint. I remember the the first sort of sports center, you know, when they got like Jeremy Shaq do like a little special little segment for yeah, some yeah, right, new right. up and coming thing. And Shaq is at the games and, oh, yo, yeah. if he was, a, if he's a junior, but if he went to the draft right now, he'd be the number one pick. And, right, and I was like, right. I've never seen this before. But that's the Mike's point while. about social media changing, yeah, the, changing yep. the equation. There's no question that that's true. Um, and the other thing is that, you know, magic, as great as magic was and as great as bird was back in the day, they were still the Lakers and the Celtics. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So there was never any thought that it was just magic and bird going against each other. Like they were playing horse or something. It yeah, was always, they're, right. the, they're the best players, <laughs> but they're also on a team full of hall of famers. That's what right. made the Lakers and the Celtics so compelling is that they each had multiple hall of fame level players playing in their primes at the same time against each other. And you just never, it's so rare that you have teams that good and franchises that historic playing against each other all the time. Right. So yeah, you're right. That, and LeBron has made the franchise irrelevant and it made it right. all about him. Exactly. Cause he bounces exactly. around all, so, all the time. So, and, and the, and that's where the comp to Michael, I think make is a, makes sense because Michael, even though Michael was on one team, most of his career, Michael transcended his teammates is mm-hmm. as, as great as Scotty Pippen was hall of fame player as great as, as Rodman was hall of fame player. He kind of transcended them and it seemed like he was doing it by himself and we know he wasn't, but that's how it felt to a lot of people. And so that's why I think people view them both kind of more as individual artists, as opposed to, you know, laborers for a common good, like that, you know, mm-hmm. Spurs hitting the rock thing, you know, yeah, like yeah, the, yeah. and Mike ain't hitting no rock. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Mike is Mike is jumping above the rock. You know what I'm saying? So that's where I think that that comp that comp you know comparison started to come from. Um, even though again, it doesn't make any sense because the, the player he's, he makes sense with his magic. So can um, we um can we uh very briefly get into because I want to I want to hear Mike's stance on this because I think he has a decent you know. Um, his finger on the pulse with this stuff. Uh, the, the Kyrie situation, mm. where he says, mm. "I don't need a coach," and, 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 <laughs> oh, <Lord>. and KD's <laughs> the first teammate I've ever played with who can make a shot. Right. Um, <laughs> Brooklyn is. <laughs> That's just Brooklyn insane. is going to be the best story. <laughs> In the NBA next year, just we're gonna have, we're gonna have, right now. It's they're gonna have a Nets TV. index. ESPN's yeah. gonna have a Nets index next year. <laughs> like Mike, what did you like when you when you saw the the excerpts? And then to me, listening to it is actually worse. Um, I, I like I read it and I was like, nah, you know, he, he probably was saying it a certain way, and there's no way he was implying what it's so obvious that he was implying. Then I listened to it and I was like. This dude is something else, right? Uh, I, I would love to know what Mike felt listening to that, man. Um, I'm going to encourage Kyrie to keep talking because he <laughs> is providing so much entertainment content. You know, uh, the one thing I do want him to do is like I want him to say it with his chest, though, because when he made a comment Stone that Stone this is the Hodge first hand. time yep. that, mm-hmm. you know, he played with a guy who could, you know, he trusted that could make that shot in the end. Don't backtrack and say, I wasn't talking about LeBron. Well, you played with LeBron and won a ring with LeBron. <laughs> so he's, it's obvious. And he won and he made a lot of big shots with you watching. 
so uh, if you weren't talking about him, then name names of who you were talking about or, or specifically say, yes, I meant what I said, because I felt like when I, we were in the game, I was the guy. I was the guy that should have been closing. And you saw what happened in the 2016 finals. I took the last shot and I made it because I'm the man. Like, just say it. Like, say it with your chest. Like, if you're going to, feel, you know, you know, kind of, you know, be passive aggressive and, you know, um, you know, call somebody out, you know, without really directly calling them out. Um, you know, don't backtrack when people make the connection about what you actually were saying. Um, you know, I, I understand that he was on the KD and like maybe some things he said freely, you know, talking to KD that he might not wanted to get out, but he said it and it's out there. So embrace it and be the villain. If that's the case, you know, uh, allow us to have these storylines cause we know it's there, you know, and just embrace it. And so, um, the, yeah, Brooklyn's going to be an interesting team because he will need coaching <laughs> and Steve Nash will have yeah. to coach them. Uh, he can't just roll the ball out there and just say, okay, you guys just curious. Like he's going to have to come up with a system and a scheme that makes it work. The one thing that's intriguing about that, the, that pairing with Katie and Kyrie is like, it was for me, the minute it came together, it was very confusing for me because I know the friendship. I understand how close they are and just the connection they have that goes beyond basketball. But on the basketball court, the only time I saw them playing together was at the 2016 Olympics. And that was not an encouraging sign for what no. the future is. No, it was um, not good. <laughs> when I was watching them play together, KD was not himself through the first couple mm-hmm. of games in there. And the only time he really started to take off was when Kyle Lowry came in there and was running the offense as a, as a point guard. Um, so if Kyrie's out there doing his sort of, you know, magician stuff with the basketball and spin moves and between the leg dribbles and all these things that are great to watch. Like, it's like he's an artist out there. But if you're standing there and you wide open or you got an advantage and your man's just over there just, <laughs> just doing a dribble show. You know he's show. an artist because he told us on his Instagram live. He's like, you know, exactly. appreciate the art. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. He's amazing. He's best. Yeah. He's the best. I want Kyrie to keep talking, man. Keep it coming, man. Uh, it's, it's really, but, yes. But, but, I, but I, I'm intrigued Tell to see Tell us how the moon's made of green cheese next. That'll be funny. <laughs> <laughs> just... No, seriously, it's made of green cheese. You know what I mean? Like, Actually, go to the moon because I know we can afford it. It is. Right. <laughs> right. It's just, it is, I, I just don't know how you could go from, I want to, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be my turn, your turn. I'm tired of it. I want to play with a team. I want to play with joy. I want to play with that. And yeah, I'm tired of that now. I'm going back to my turn, your turn. <laughs> okay. I mean, yeah, it's yeah. your dime, you know? So. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and I just, just the idea that like you would say ain't no head coaches on this team. Matter of fact, the dude who Steve Nash came in and, you know, got hired over, he's a head coach sometimes. Yeah. Right. I'm a head coach. coach is a construct. It's just an idea. <laughs> it's not actually a real thing. It's like, it's like the Matrix yeah. up in this room. Yeah. Burning, you know? yeah. We don't need a coach. Just fingers, finger snapping, y'all. Finger snapping <laughs> like a poetry jam. But like you said, it will be, it will be must watch. You'll be there. We will all be there from yeah. day one. I'm up pulling up a chair. Front row. Oh my God! Can you imagine? <laughs> yeah, I mean, especially if they and, make a move. If they make a move this this off season to, to upgrade the roster and try to you know really go at uh, everybody else in the East, because like you said, I mean, Miami's the defending Eastern Conference champion, but you know, Milwaukee, uh, Boston. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're they're right there. I mean, and Milwaukee's going to have to do something just to keep Giannis. I mean, they're going to be different next year just because they have to be to keep Giannis happy. You know, so. Um, yeah, I mean, they're going to be right. Toronto, I, I don't think there's any, you know, backup in Toronto. I mean, and even if they lose, 
you know, Ibaka or they lose Gasol, I, you know, look, they've shown they can, they'll figure it out how to make their team work. You yeah, know, you got to so, trust Masai. You gonna, he's going to do something. Right. right. And, and, right. and I'm on record as saying, I don't think this is going to work. Um, yeah, just, Brooklyn, Brooklyn. Yeah. It's oh, not yeah. going to work because of the temperament of the two guys. Um, I, when, when, when Houston traded for Russ, I didn't think it was going to work, not because of their temperaments, just their games don't actually mesh. Like yeah. Russ needs to have the ball in his hand to be effective. And James Harden's one of the three best on ball players in the league. So why the yeah. hell are you taking the ball out of his hand? Right. right, right it, just exactly. doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. I think Kyrie and KD's games theoretically could work just fine, but who's actually leading that team? Yeah. Who's yeah. actually the serious person on that team, right? Yeah, like, I mean, that's guys, the one thing you could say about Steph Curry and like why it was a perfect situation he, for Katie. You to, gotta to cook. tip your cap to Steph Curry. Because he can he handle he can handle the, the franchise leader. stuff. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Right. Right, and the right. fact that he could be deferential to KD to come onto his team and be so egoless about it. These, the same like, thing that happened too- with D Wade when he let well, LeBron in there, exactly. right? If, right. if, if, if right. D Wade didn't have the ego, had the ego and said, "No, nah, exactly. it's my team. I'm not going to defer to this right. dude," it never would have right. worked. But he had to say, I "You know mean, what? Guys, think I ain't about wasting the, his time the, with LeBron. I'm winning chips with him, so this guy's got to work." Yeah. yeah. Think about the two personalities we just described: D Wade and Steph Curry. Yeah. Woo! Yeah. Lord have mercy, so, man. It, you know, D Wade. That, that's a very. Good, it's obviously a very good comp with him letting LeBron come in. But I still, to me, what 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 Steph Curry did is one of the Bruh. most amazing things it I've is. ever seen a, a professional athlete do. They won seventy three. Yeah. <laughs> seventy three. Yeah. Without him. Yeah. And, and it's said, funny. I remember. All right, come on in and join the party. You know, I remember talking to Draymond about that, and he said that like if Steph had said I don't want him here, KD wasn't coming to Golden State, right? I mean, right. it, it would have been as simple as that. They'd be like, Nah, I, I can't play with him. And the minute mm-hmm. he said it, then they would have been like, Okay, we'll go ahead and try to win it with you guys. And that's yeah, how it would have right. been. But he, but Steph was like, Nah, man, I want to win, and he's gonna help us win. So let's get him. And yeah. See, and, and 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 that's my favorite thing about Steph Curry. I've had my my issues with the Steph thing in the past, but just the egoless nature of how he handled the KD thing and yeah. always said the right things, never, did, you know, put some subliminal messages in the right. media and all oh, this. He isn't he, passive aggressive like some other people we know. No, 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 no. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't ask people to fit out and fit in. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't do any of that. He, he didn't do any of that on Instagram or Right, right, right. He, he was a freaking good soldier. He wasn't posting any memes. No, right, right, right. none of it. He just did his job to the best of his ability. He didn't demand Steve Kerr run more pick and rolls for him and all of this. He just went mm-hmm. out and did that. And I just find that to be so admirable. And the two homies in Brooklyn who are running the shows have <laughs> never in their lives demonstrated to be those type of people. And yeah. so we'll see. We'll yeah, it's going to be interesting. We'll I, I'm not sure who they can add in there as from a leadership standpoint. Uh, the talent, though, I mean, those are two of the best players in the game. It's just, but you all, but we know you need a lot more than that if you're going to get be there at the end, you know. Yeah. And then Dinwiddie and Levert are, are two nice players. They, they're yeah, going right, to have to, right. and basically they're going to be told to go to hell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, like, I, boy, I you better go offensive rebound if you want to touch this. <laughs> Once they trade Karras, it's like, dang, man, like, yeah, I was hoping yeah. he could work out for the Nets because I, I like his game a lot, man. He, he was too. they got swept by the, by the Raptors, but he was really impressive in a lot of those games. Fearless, absolutely, 
Absolutely. All right. Well, look, Mike, man, appreciate you as always stopping by, man. The great oh, insights yeah. as ever. Um, Thank you, Mike, for coming for sure. on. And of course, I, got to me you on. For, I want the listeners to know that Mike, like me, is a member of the Rihanna Navy. So oh, for sure. y'all, y'all make sure y'all, y'all a fellow Navy heads. Y'all big up Mike because he's, he's part of the Navy. Absolutely. The minute I saw that Rude Boy video, I was on I was on board. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 was, it was building, it was building, but then I was yeah. like, okay, I'm on board. This was happening. <laughs> that was it. That was that was the Rude Boy video was Rihanna, um, LeBron in 07, 29 points. <laughs> coming out, 29 party. out of the last 30 points. Yeah, coming yeah, out, yeah, party. That, yeah, 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 yeah. That was that's, 20, that's 25. That was. Yeah, that was 25 in a row. 25 right straight. Yeah, 25 uh-huh. in a row. So, <laughs> so they didn't double Rihanna either? Is no, that what you're no, saying? No, no, no. <laughs> they just cleared out. <laughs> and let her cook. Y'all ain't going to double this dude that's cooking you. <laughs> really? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay, flip, you know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, gents. All right, Thank you as always. It was a great one. And uh, hey, everybody, leave that five star review. Remember, if you want to subscribe to The Athletic and you haven't done so already, you can do it for a buck a month. Can't get a better deal anywhere for any price. See you. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.